Lord this morning. Amen. We, uh, the, the kids really add a lot to the service. We had them singing, we had them passing stuff out and collecting. And as I said, uh, we had over 50, 50 children last week in the children's church. Well, not just the children's church, but that whole children's wing last week. And that didn't include all of them because I know we, uh, uh, we had our first service uh, kids that were not there. And, and so God is really blessing this church. As I said, there's a, a lot of churches that would just, they would just love to have even one-fourth of what we have here. So uh, we're just thankful for God uh, providing for us. I'd invite you to turn to Acts chapter 2. Uh, I guarantee we are not getting through the sermon today. Uh, and it's actually a two-parter anyway. So I'm just letting you know that your notes are not going to be totally filled out, uh, but we'll do the best that we can. We had a lot of stuff to talk about this morning. But what I want to talk about is Pentecost. And uh, Pentecost is actually the birthday of the church, if you, if you don't know that. Pentecost is not just a Christian holiday, but it's also a Jewish holiday as well. And so we're going to talk about that and how it's significant to us. And we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit uh, is, is vital to you as a Christian. We're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit empowers the church. Because a church without the Holy Spirit is like a battery without any electricity in it. The Holy Spirit is what gives us the power and the ability to do uh, a lot of supernatural uh, events or supernatural things within the church. So we're going to talk about that. So turn, if you will, to Acts chapter 2. And we're going to start at verse 1. And I'm going to go through a little bit and then we're going to get to some more meat a little, uh, soon in this. But if you remember the, 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 the story or the, the rest of the story. So here you have Jesus meets with his disciples following the resurrection. For about 40 days he's following, uh, he's, uh, uh, Jesus is meeting with the disciples at various times. He's meeting with his brother James. He's uh, meeting uh, with, with the women. He's meeting with the, uh, the uh, disciples. Uh, he's meeting with Thomas individually. Uh, he's meeting with Peter and doing a uh, uh, kind of a healing in the life of Peter. Because here you have Peter who stood up and says, I'll never deny you. And yet he denied Christ. And, and, and which was part of the process of Jesus being put on the cross. Even though Peter didn't put him on the cross uh, he was more of the disciples, more Judas, but still that pain was still with him. Jesus then said at the ascension, before he left, he says, I want you to stop, and I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to stay there until the Holy Spirit comes. So the disciples left, and uh, they went into Jerusalem, and they waited. And so now it says... When the day of Pentecost came, do you hear that? When the day of Pentecost came. So Pentecost, what is it? There's three main holidays that the Jewish people uh, observed. The first one was Passover, and that would be like their 4th of July. That is recognizing the fact that God delivered them from Egypt. They were to eat a special meal of, of lamb, and they were supposed to bring a lamb to the temple, and it would be slaughtered, and they were supposed to eat unleavened bread. And, uh, and that Pentecost, or Pe 
Passover is when Jesus, the, sacri the sacrificial lamb was killed. Passover is when Jesus died on the cross. The second festival was the, the Feast of Weeks, or the Feast of First Fruits, or what we call Pentecost. Uh, Penta meaning five, cost meaning celebrate. So what is Pentecost? Well, let me, let me do the third one real quick, and I'll explain what Pentecost is. Then you have the, 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 the Feast of Tabernacles, which is essentially, it's a, it's a celebration of going camping. <laughs> Where you were supposed to bring a little tent, and your whole family's there, and you kind of meet around with all your friends and family. Okay. What, Pente what Pentecost is, is actually a uh, celebration of the first fruits or the harvest festival. Now, with, you have to understand, they are not in the United States. They are not in uh, what you know the Western culture. They have a different growing season than we do, and in different fruits or different crops than what we do. We have two primary crops in this area. Actually, three. What are they? Soybeans, Soybean, corn, corn, wheat. You have some other ones, but those are the three primary. Corn and soybeans and some wheat. All right. In the time of Jesus in their area, they had two main crops. Anybody know what they were? Corn. No, no, one corn. Wheat and barley. Okay. Corn was, a, was an American thing that we eventually took over there. Okay. So you had wheat and barley. And so when the, when the, when the harvest started, then you were to celebrate the, the beginning of the harvest. So, 50 days after Passover, you were to bring a sheave of barley. Okay? Who knows what a sheave is? Come on, you sing about it. Bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. I sang that to my daughter one time. She looked at me, she goes, what's a sheave? You know, that's where you have to understand why we have to change things from time to time because sometimes things don't become relevant anymore because we change the name. I couldn't hear what you said over here, but a sheave is, is a bundle of grain. All right? Sometimes you see it in Amish country where they'll bundle all the grain together. And so you were supposed to bring a, a sheave of barley to the priest. And then the priest took that sheave. Here, let me show it to you. I forgot in the first service to do this. So you took that sheave, and he would go to the north, to the west, to the south, to the east, to the ground, to the sky. Ta-da! That was it. And they started the harvest. And then seven weeks after the harvest began, you went from barley, which was a lower grain, to eventually you started to work into wheat, which was a higher grain. At the end of the uh, at the end of that harvest, you were to bring loaves of bread to the priests. Interesting. The only time in in the the, the yearly cycle of a, of the temple. Were you allowed to bring in leavened bread? And the other time it wasn't to be leavened bread. So you'd bring that bread to the priest, and he would to the north, 
to the west, to the south, to the east, down below, and up above. Then you could eat the bread. You weren't allowed to eat the, uh, the wheat, the newly uh, ground up wheat, until after that ceremony. Okay, so that was, it was basically a harvest festival that was in the springtime. Our harvest festival is when? Fall, and it's called? It's called Thanksgiving. Okay? And essentially that's a harvest festival where you're just giving thanks. So when the day of Pentecost came, that's at the end of the harvest, okay, they were all together in one place. Who's, who was they? The disciples. Where were they? Where Jesus told them to be. We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit for the next couple of weeks. And I'm going to tell you the number one important issue as it relates to the Holy Spirit and God is obedience. Sometimes we say, I don't feel the presence of God. I don't feel this. My, my first, are you being obedient? See, a lot of times we want to feel the presence of God and we want to have the, the, the power of God and everything else, but yet we're not even willing to be submissive and we're not even willing to be obedient to God. And we'll, we'll talk more about that later. So they were all together. Jesus told them to go to Jerusalem and stay. They went to Jerusalem and they stayed. Period. Okay? Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. How could wind get in the house? Two reasons. One, they didn't have windows. And number two is, it's of God. Right? A lot of times you see in Scripture where God is moving, and He's moving in the form of an air, wind, something like that. Okay? So you see that in Genesis chapter 1, where God's Spirit hovered over the earth during creation. Genesis chapter 2 is found, and Ezekiel chapter 37 is found as well, when the Spirit of God had, had breathed wind of God moving over the dry bones of Israel, bringing them back to life. So the Holy Spirit many times is, is um, described as wind. Now why is that important? Real simple. Do we live in a windy area? Yes. What's going on the last few years? Man, I'll tell you, I'm driving up and down 127 with my car, and you know I got a boat. It's nothing but a big sail, and I'm driving down the road like this, trying to keep my car on the road, and I get to those uh, grain bins on 127, you know, on, they have the turkey barns as well. How many of you have the same thing I do? I'm going down there and all of a sudden I hit those uh, green bins and my car goes whoosh over to the other side because there is no wind. And there's been a few times on a very windy day I've had a semi-truck coming at me and I'm going in front of the semi-truck and going, ah, you get back over. Interesting thing about wind, it's powerful. We know that because I had a tornado, you know, 100 feet from my house. It's powerful. Okay? It's important. You can hear it, but you don't see it.
People say, if I could just see God. If I could only see God, then I, then I believe in Him. No. So, do you believe in wind? Well, that's different. No, you, you, you see the results of wind. I mean, you can't see wind. And, well, you well, throw dust in the air or something like that. But you don't see wind, so I guess we don't have wind, do we? You, you, you see the results of it. You know it's important. Could you imagine if we didn't have wind? After the rain that we had the last couple of days, how long would it take to dry? That wind is important. And the same thing with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came, the sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then they, the disciples, saw what seemed to be tongues of fire separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Okay, so we're going to talk about this. This section is probably going to be next week, just to let you know. Okay? So what I want to do today is I just want to give some background. I just want to give some basic information for you so we understand who the Holy Spirit is. Because there's a lot of misinformation out there. So we're going to talk about that today. First of all, the Holy Spirit is the third part of the triune God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's the part of the triune God that's working in our lives today. So, let's say we have a, a, an excellent service, and you just, you just feel the presence of God. And you, oh, God is here. Or Jesus is here. It's really the Holy Spirit. He is God. He is the part of the triune God that is working in the lives of believers today. We're going to talk a little bit later about what he does. But he's the part of the triune God that is working in the believers today. The best way to describe it is this. The Father willed it. Jesus the Son implemented it. And the Holy Spirit empowers it. Okay? So God willed that His Son come to this earth so that He would die on the cross for our salvation to be our propitiation or our sacrifice. Jesus fulfilled it. And now the Holy Spirit is the one that is necessary for the advancement of God's kingdom and the advancement of the church and the proclamation of who Jesus is. Okay, you got that? Yeah. Okay. All right. So what does the Holy Spirit do in the lives of the Christian? Number one. It should have been a different way but because the Holy Spirit is what draws you to Christ. And that would be a little bit later. But the Holy Spirit makes us more like Christ. It's a word called sanctification. And we don't talk about that much anymore. What sanctification essentially is, is we peel off the layers of sin and we bring on the layers of Christ. It's making us, helping us to pursue the process of being holy before God and before our fellow men. It's a process. Now, there are some churches out there that believe that uh, it's, it's a second work of grace where, um, where 
we pray, oh God, I, I, I just want the filling of your Holy Spirit, and I want to give 100% of myself to you. Boom. And at that point, they, they give 100% of their lives to Jesus, okay, or to the Holy Spirit, and it's a sanctification process. There's other churches out there that believe that it's a process that starts at the point of salvation and goes to the point of death. It's a continued process throughout your life. So some of you saying, so which one do I hold to? Yes. Yes. God works with people differently, but I'm going to tell you, I do believe we have to, as Christians, get to the point where we're kind of on our knees saying, God, I'm tired of living my life my way, and I want to start living my life your way, and it's a daily process where daily you get up in the morning and say, I'm going to follow Christ. And then they start that whole process, it's called sanctification. Sanctification is making you holy and showing the world Jesus through your life. That should be the number one desire of each one of us here is to show the world Jesus and to become more like Jesus. And I'm not talking about wearing sandals and a beard and wearing a, a bathrobe. I am talking to what? I said, hey, my beard's cool. I love your beard, but Jesus had one too, you know? And so, so it's that process of not just that, but it's the process of you living it. The Holy Spirit gives Christians the power to witness. Okay, let me, let me be honest. If I were to ask you to raise your hands, how many of you feel like you are insufficient to witness? I'm, one of those, I, I'm like one of these uh, uh, vacuum cleaner salesmen, you know, hoping a ways home. That's my personality. Okay? But I've witnessed. And when I've witnessed, I could feel the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon, and I would say words that I never knew would come to my mind. He's the one that empowers us to witness because he wants to glorify Jesus. And you should desire to glorify Jesus as well. In everything you do. So if you have a co-worker you've been praying for, or a neighbor that you've been praying for to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them, you know, I believe it'll happen through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit prepares you to be used by God, but he also prepares the, the groundwork so that that person will be receptive. Next, the Holy Spirit guides to all truth. Boy, there's a lot of misinformation out there. But I believe if you are sincere and you're using the scriptures as your guideline, I also believe that the Holy Spirit will guide you to the truth that you are, you are to have. Next is this. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin. Okay? Have you noticed how angry the world's become? Have you noticed that? Do you know why? Who likes to be told they're wrong? Who likes to be told that they're sinners? Go on a college campus and say, by the way, I want to let you know that you're sinning right now. See what happens to you. Most of the time, people become very angry. And so what we're seeing in our society right now is a lot of angry people. Why? Look at their lives. There's sin there. 
And because there's sin there, they're becoming very angry. The Holy Spirit convicts everyone of sin. And so now, you go to the East Coast and the West Coast, the church is really looked down upon as a bunch of intolerant, da-da-da-da-da type people. No, we're not intolerant. We're just sharing what God's Word says. And believe it or not, there's vandalism happening to churches out west and out east. And it's just because the conviction of the Holy Spirit is coming upon our nation and upon these people, and they don't like it. So now we try to normalize it. Boy, if we normalize it, then I'll feel better. And I'm not talking about one specific sin, because I'm going to tell you all the way from the 60s, uh, when I was born until today, it was like one, one issue fell to another issue that fell to another issue that fell to another issue. It was just a bunch of stumbling blocks that kept falling. And now this is normalized, even though it's against Scripture. It's now normalized. Now something else is 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 normalized. Now we, now it's turned from from uh, you have to uh, you know keep your nose out of our lives to now you have to uh, uh, basically accept it to now you have to embrace it to now you have to love it. And if you don't love us, then you're the problem. Power of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That's all it boils down to. Do you know the most liberal nations in the world where a lot of this stuff is normalized? Do you know the studies have come out and said their suicide rate is higher than the United States? Do you know that? Of course they're not going to tell you that. Whereas issues are accepted and embraced, their suicide rate is higher. Okay. You want the stats on that? I can get it to you. The Holy Spirit wants to reveal God's Word. All, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for rebuke, correction. I just lost because I don't have it in front of me. In, in towards righteousness. God's Word. Center of everything that we need to do in this church is God's Word. As I said last week on some issues, I pretty much said, you know what? The board makes some decisions. We'll be due. Because there are some things that are not scriptural. It's preference. But if it comes down to God's Word and God's Word says something specific about it, yeah, then the pastor puts his foot down and says, uh-uh, we ain't going to do that. Well, we're going to do it anyway. Oh, really? Then we're going to have a discussion. Because God's Word is the final say on everything. The Holy Spirit brings Christians closer to other believers. Ta-da! That's here. You know that? We should be so excited about Sunday morning because we can come together and we can be with family. We are family here. You know that? We should be excited. I'm going to church this 
morning because I got some lifesavers. You know, we should be excited about it. And sometimes the whole, we're in bed and we'll have a week like the last few days. Oh, it's just raining. I just want to stay in bed. It ain't the Holy Spirit telling you to stay in bed. We should be excited about coming into God's house. I, I, I love what we're doing lately. Now, we don't have to do it now because of the fact that 